Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Westwood One presents The Pollsters. The Pollsters. And now, Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So we're back. We didn't even take a week off, but we're here. We're back. Why does it feel like we took a week off? Well, because it feels like a lot has happened since our lot. last show. It's very <laughs> like it's, you know, you're out of work, then you're back into work and then you're out and then you're back. It could feel like you're not full. There's no traffic. The streets are clear. I know that's been really lovely. It's really And I know nice. that's going to end. It feels like you're driving at like 3 o'clock in the, the morning. The only downside is that in D.C. in the summer, the town gets swamped with these tour buses. And I know that in my – like if I think about it rationally, the tour buses are better than all of these tourists having driven in in their own family cars. Like right. it is technically more efficient. But it drives me bonkers because they take up like two lanes of the road and they just stop in the middle of a lane and it so Yeah. I've been just... I've been feeling a lot of like tour bus rage lately, but you know I know that it is technically more efficient. They're good, it's good for the city. Yep. yep. Keeps, you know, it's part of being DC. Welcome to our lovely <laughs> Happy town. <laughs> happy, where, happy. Where, which Washington are you Where in a third days, of D.C. residents have protested the president, according to a Washington Post poll that came out this morning. See, we, Welcome. We got, so, we got so much polling, we can't even wait for the, the song, Top Lines. Yes. So what are the top lines this week, Kristen? Let's just Trump against the world. Trump is on Twitter wars with CNN, yes. Twitter wars with Morning Joe. We're going to talk about whether or not voters care about Trump's tweeting. We'll also talk about the return of PC and what people think about civility in politics. How much should politicians try to play nice? Then we'll talk a little bit about the Pence rule, uh, whether or not it is appropriate for people of the opposite sex to have dinner, drinks, lunch, meetings. I have a lot of thoughts. I've been waiting for a poll to come out on this. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, uh, President Trump is overseas at the G20 meeting. Um, North Korea can now launch a missile that hits the United States. So we will talk a little bit about what our options look like for North Korea and what the polling says about America's relationship there. Uh, but first, let's start off poll of the week, voting rights, the right to vote. Pew has done a study asking people what they think about making it easy for people to vote. Uh, and it turns out that most voters think Everything should be done to make it as easy as possible for every citizen to vote, 59 percent, compared to 39 percent who think citizens should prove they want to vote by registering ahead of time. 
Yeah, but, you know, not surprisingly, it can be a little partisan like most things. Um, I guess not as partisan as many uh, – some other topics sort of where you have like a 9 percent on one side and 9 percent on the other side with having a view. But still pretty partisan. We're 84 percent of Democrats saying everything should be possible to make it easy. Only a th- about a third of Republicans agree. Two, almost two-thirds of Republicans think citizens should want to prove they want to vote by registering ahead of time. Um, it's interesting question because it's um, it's not totally clear. I mean, is this really just a poll that measures the thought of making it easy to vote, like we should make it easy to vote in general, or is it specifically about like same day registration versus, or you know, registering in advance, which is what the other side of this question is? It's like a little bit confusing, right? Because, like for example, Minnesota and Wisconsin, there's some states where you can do same day registration. You can just walk in and say, "Here, I'm here to register to vote on election day." In some general elections, presidential years in Minnesota, it's like 20 percent of people who vote are same-day reg. It's, you know, it's unusual. Wisconsin is like that too. Um, and that's different than sort of the idea of like we should just – thinking all kinds of ways to make it easier to vote like mail-in and Saturday and, you know, just the thought of, you know, making it easier to vote versus the thought of making it a little bit harder. You have to show ID and such and so forth. So I'm not sure what this question is exactly measuring or people are just sort of defaulting to their partisan position on it. I don't know. But they also in this same study asked about what I, I sort of think of as the Australia approach to elections, mandatory voting, uh, compulsory attendance at the polls rather. I think in Australia you technically have to show up at the polls but you do not have to vote. I think is like the way they kind of – they they address this. Um, but they, they asked, do you believe that citizens should be required to vote in national elections or should citizens be able to decide? And here – there's almost no partisan difference at all. Kind of a strange question. This is about, uh, you know, most issues around elections do see some kind of partisan breakdown. But here you have 82 percent of Republicans, 74 percent of Democrats and 79 percent of independents saying we should not have compulsory voting, but the citizens should be able to decide whether or not to vote. Yeah. I mean, this is not really a thing that, as far as I know, is on the table. So it's interesting just nonetheless to just take a, you know, take the temperature. People like, you can't make me do it, you know. So that's, I guess, an American value that we all have, um, thinking about on the 4th of July week. And then the last thing that from this Pew study is what is, what kinds of rights are essential to your own sense of freedom? And this is a little bit of a broader question. So it's freedom of speech, the right to vote, right to privacy, freedom of religion, and the right to own guns. And the right to own guns is more divisive, um, as you might expect. And all the others are pretty high, almost almost unanimous in terms of people saying it's essential rather than important but not essential. You don't have a lot of people saying it's not important for any of those other four. Um, freedom of speech being just about tied with the right to vote as being essential to your own sense of freedom. Now, freedom of the press is not in this question. And I know. that will come up later in our show as a a right that's – or a, a a piece of the Bill of Rights that some Americans are less thrilled about. It's a thing. Days. It's a thing we're, we're discussing that is not in this particular Pew list. So let's talk a little bit about where things stand with our president. Uh, his current job approval rating, according to Huffington Post pollster, averages out about 39.9 percent. Again, that line continues to look pretty flat. The last time he had a big movement in his numbers was around his foreign trip. Um, so we will. it remains to be seen if he will have more movement now that he is on another foreign trip. 
Um, But the big news of the past week has been Donald Trump's feuds with media outlets uh, started last Thursday morning with uh, tweets about Joe and Mika Mika Brzezinski from Morning Joe, um, then followed up over the weekend by uh, the president tweeting out a a GIF uh, of Donald Trump back in his wrestling days. Uh, pro wrestling, the the original fake news, uh, right. wrestling a guy who had the CNN logo superimposed over his face and tackling the CNN to the ground. President thought that was funny, tweeted it out. It caused a firestorm. Here we are. So there's plenty of polling that has been done on Trump and the press. Um, but sort of ahead of his his and this has taken over some of his foreign trip. You know, this morning he gave a press conference in Poland, and the first thing he was asked about was. Or one of the things he was asked about was his relationship with the news and took the opportunity to bash on the fake news. And so this is this is a topic he loves. Yeah. And it's, you know, there are a lot of there are people have a lot of different thoughts about this. Right. So there's one thought. And I wrote a com- my first column in The Hill that was you know over the holiday of something we can all come together in in unity over the Fourth of July on the fact that. We most people hate these tweets, you know, even like a fifth of Republicans find these tweets, you know, bad. A majority of Republicans feel he should stop tweeting from his personal account. I mean, this is something that is, you know, pretty consistent. Even if he has a hardcore base that approves of how he's doing, there's a smaller the, the group that thinks what he's doing in terms of social media is actually even smaller. But it, it, you, if you talk to some Democratic folks, they say, look, you know, he should keep doing this rather than getting worked up over all these different tweets and embarrassment. It's good because it will slowly erode um, his support and, and it will just continue to erode his support. That's something I heard a lot of people saying over the weekend uh, in in my hood. Um, but I think the downside of that is that it just it just makes everybody feel pretty miserable. And you see, e- even if it does have some end effect of eroding his support, which may – Make it harder for him to pass an agenda that a lot of folks also disagree with. If you look at, um, you know, the, this is a PBS NewsHour poll through Marist. It's comparable to the CBS poll I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, over two-thirds say since Donald Trump was elected president, the level of civility in Washington has gotten worse. You know, only like barely any say it's improved. Um, you, you know, it's uh, – People feel, you know, pretty miserable about the views toward um, toward uh, each other and how we talk about all this. Now, if you look at views toward the media, though, they're not necessarily so great either. So you could argue that Trump is having an effect not just in people feeling that civility is bad, but just in their views toward the media. Yeah. So our friends at SurveyMonkey did a poll with Axios uh, to find out who people trust more. Would you, if you had to choose, who do you trust more, President Trump or CNN? Uh, 50% say CNN, 43% say President Trump. Huge party divides on this. 89% of Republicans pick Trump. 91% of Democrats pick CNN. Independents uh, split 40% trusting President Trump, 55% trusting CNN. Uh, but I think the fact that you do have 43% saying they would pick President Trump over CNN sort of underscores – Look, that's part of why this stuff isn't hurting his numbers. Forty-three percent of Americans—that's higher than his job approval. You know, so he's picking villains to fight against in these battles that are people that you know, not a ton of, especially not his voters, care to see defended. It's a little, you know, it's interesting because if you ask this question, like, should Donald Trump tweet? You know, you see 
more agreement between Republicans and Democrats here. Like, are his tweets helpful? Are they harmful? You know, Morning Consul found a couple of weeks ago, like a majority of Americans felt that Ch- Trump's tweets hurt our national security. You know, even his own voters were, you know, were, uh, were at best unsure. But if you say, who do you trust more, Trump versus CNN, then the partisan divide is very clear. You know, people are rallying around their uh, Republicans are rallying around the president more so than if you say, well, are the tweets good or bad. So that's where, you know, even if his social media behavior hurts himself, it also hurts everybody else. And so then in this PBS NewsHour poll, they asked this question, how much do you trust the media? A great deal, a good amount, not very much, not at all. And only 8% overall say they trust the media a great deal. Uh, Add to that the 22% who say a good amount. I mean, that's 30% who say like, yeah, I think the media generally gets it right. But this is, you know, it's so vague, this question. I mean, it's... And how much do you trust the media? I always kind of... Like, who's the media? Right. Sean Hannity's the, the media. The pollsters. So what about the pollsters? The pollsters. <laughs> you know, I trust... Or is it PBS NewsHour? Well, yeah, so PBS NewsHour. I, I trust my buddy Bob Costa, at, right. you know, far more than I trust Sean Hannity. But, you know, they're all the media, so... Right. Right. So the the vaguer your word – and this is still – I mean this is not to, to disparage this question because it sh- still measures something. It measures views toward the media. But it, do- it, it, it doesn't mean that like any kind of news outlet should look at this and say, oh, our trust ratings are X because it's not about – because the more specific you get, then people can say, oh, I know what you're asking me about. I know what media outlet – everybody's responding to something very dis- clear cut and here people are grafting onto the question whatever whatever they want. Yeah. And I, one thing that I always think is instructive is when looking at questions where there are huge partisan divides is – are, are independents going to independent? Do they split right down the middle or do they tend to agree with one party more than the other? So on those first questions that we were talking about on the show about um, voting rights, you know, you you tended to have uh, independents looking pretty similar to Democrats on those questions. Uh, when we take a look, though, at the questions of uh, what people think about the media, you know, you have 70 percent of independents who say that they trust the media not very much or not at all. It looks a lot more like Republicans on that question. So plenty of things where independents agree much more with Democrats. But on these questions, you can see why some Republican strategists think a great midterm strategy for them would be rage against the media. And this is having, I think, some kind of scary side effects where they've, in the same uh, poll, they asked, for each of the following rights, do you think we've gone too far in expanding the right, too far in restricting the right, or are things okay the way they are? And on freedom of the press, you have 42 percent of Republicans who say we've gone too far in expanding the right. Um, that's, that's that's troubling, troubling, right? Like only nine percent of people don't think we have enough freedom of the press. Forty six percent think it's about right. But for independents and Democrats, very few think that we have too much press freedom in America. So the fact that it's, again, it's not a majority, but 42 percent is a huge chunk to come out and say we've gone too far in expanding press freedom. Right. That is troubling. It is troubling. And, and and I'm not sure, like, you know, how would you operationalize that, right? So if, if you were to call back that 42% and say, okay, if we've gone too far in expanding that right, how would you – what would you do to, to reel that back in? What exactly are you talking about? Does that mean what? Fewer questions, fewer transparency, you know, to, uh, of what the White House is doing, Um you know, restrictions of who can say what or, you know, what is that exactly does that mean? Um, there's a similar question about 
the right to protest or criticize the government? Have we gone too far in expanding the right to protest uh, or gone too far in restricting it? Or are things okay the way we are? And then you have very similar numbers. 41% of Republicans say we've gone too far in expanding the right to protest or criticize the government, which is also really troubling, especially when you think of as someone who you know d- does a lot of work on for stronger gun laws, and there's so much of the pro-gun, the weaker gun law side that says, you know, we need to be ready for some sort of confrontation with the government to protect ourselves. Like that's that's a thread in that argument. But yet here you have 41 percent. I wonder how many of that 41 percent are the same folks who say, look, you know, the right to protest or criticize the government is going too far. Um, there's also not as, you know, it's also not as high, but nonetheless still troubling. Remember, we we're talking about the right to vote. They asked a question about the right to vote. A quarter of Republicans say we've gone too far in expanding the right to vote. Well, in terms of speech and crossing a line or what have you, there are some poll questions here specifically asking about Trump's tweets about MSNBC host Mika Brzezinski. Um, the This is, comes from Morning Consult and Politico. How much have you seen, read, or heard about a tweet President Trump sent out about MSNBC host Mika Brzezinski? Uh, this poll came out, I believe, uh, after the the fourth holiday, but surely it was fielded. The f- yeah, it came out the fifth. So. Yes. So but one assumes it was probably fielded in that like day or two after the tweet came out because you probably aren't yeah. fielding the survey on like July 4th. It said it concluded before Trump turned his ire onto CNN. So yeah. that must have been Early. by Saturday. It must have been done by Saturday. Right. Uh, and in that case, you only had 23 percent who said they'd heard a lot. A majority said they'd heard not much or nothing at all. So sort of a reminder that these things that send us all into a tailspin here in Beltway land or political land do not always make their way outside. But, but still 50-50, it's kind of evenly divided between have heard some or a lot versus heard not much or nothing at all. And I know people kind of round up a little bit because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, if you're asking me a thing, then I guess I need to know about this thing. Um there's a little bit of a party difference, but not massive between D's and R's. Like, not really between D's mm-hmm. and R's. Um, independence, less informed, which is what you'd expect of independence. So, no offense, independence. We love you anyway. There are different kinds of independence, <laughs> but some independents choose to not follow all this, and good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but then later on in the same poll, they then ask the question. They say, as you may know, President Trump recently sent out a tweet calling MSNBC host Mika Brzezinski crazy and stating she had a facelift. Imagine being Tyler. Tyler, did you write this question? I was like, imagine being the person at Morning Consult that had to come up with like, how do you write a question about right. this? How do you write this question? And did he state that she – I mean I looked at that. I was like, well, did he state that she had a facelift or did he say insulting remarks about her facelift or referred – insultingly referred to her face – to her face? I mean they're – you know, stating seems so benign. Like, oh, I have an announcement to make. Mika, Mika had a facelift. Is a little bit – that's how you could almost interpret it. It doesn't really matter. You're not trying to – you're claiming, just Claiming, claiming. You're just reminding people that – about this thing that happened rather than giving them the whole, you know, ball of wax and kind of recreating it. I don't know. But if it's but there's no there's no right answer. As you mean on Thursday morning. Ugh, right. As you MSNBC may know. host Mika Brzezinski referenced that Donald <sighs> Trump may have small hands. As a result, the president saw this and then got onto Twitter tweeting that Mika Brzezinski – like, which comes how, closest how to your much, own view. Which comes closest <laughs> to your view. Like how much backstory do you give in these questions? There's no right way to write an ant. There's no like template like, oh, get me one of those Mika facelift questions that we've asked before. Like there's just – there's no good way to ask such an insane kind of – 
turn of events. I mean, that's really what we're talking so about here. Then they, in this poll, they say, was this acceptable for President Trump to say or unacceptable for President Trump to say? Overall, 16 percent say acceptable, 65 percent say unacceptable. Here's the number that drives me crazy. So you look at it by party breakdown. And sure enough, Republicans more likely to say acceptable to say because there is this like 28 percent of the GOP that says, you do you, Trump. Whatever you do, I'm with you. But there is a big gender break here. Yeah. Now, the plurality of Republican men lean, say unacceptable. But one third of Republican men say it's acceptable for President Trump to have said this. Whereas for Republican women, it's less than a quarter. It's a big gender break within the GOP over this issue. And this yeah. feeds into – there was um, a poll that we included here in our, our notes for this week about sort of views of Donald Trump and you know to what extent his – uh, his his tweeting, you know, does this change people's views of him? So in the morning consult poll, you know, only 17 percent of people say this makes them more favorable to Donald Trump. Um, most say that it either has no impact either way or it makes them much less favorable. 38 percent say it makes them much less favorable. Now, a lot of those are people who voted for Hillary Clinton. Those are not people Trump is trying to win. But among people who voted for Donald Trump, um, you still had about 27 percent who said this makes me like him less, while you had 25 percent who say this makes me like him more. Right. So, you know, among ch- so for the it, how does this make you feel more or less favorable kinds of questions, you have to look at it by their own voters because you're going to have all these Clinton voters saying, well, I feel less favorable. They're already at rock bottom. I mean, he's only got what, what, eight or nine percent favorability with. Who are the 12 percent of Clinton voters that said this made them more <laughs> favorable? They're the people who are like, keep doing it, buddy, because this is just, you know, you're just helping. You're just making it harder to, to repeal Obamacare, I, I guess. Or they're like, I don't know. I'm just I'm just clicking buttons. I, I, you know, who knows? Um or I've you know I've gotten confused because why are you asking me a bunch of questions about a facelift? I have no idea what this, what this yeah. survey is about. But the um, you know for Trump voters, while about you know almost half say this is I don't know or it doesn't have an impact, everybody else is kind of evenly divided among Trump voters between more favorable or less favorable. I think you know that's that's interesting. I mean, one it shows that I mean you everybody who's looking for some more understanding can find it with that result. On the one hand, there's this, you know, theme out there that like, well, his supporters all love it. They're like, go, you do it. But that's not really that big of a group that says, yes, we think that those tweets are great and we like them. And the other hand, it's not moving massive numbers of people, you know, it, it even though the overall numbers show people think it's unacceptable, you're not actually moving a whole lot of people of his own base. But maybe, you know, do you need to move everybody? You need to move some people, so, or perhaps if you are a Trump opponent. The the analogy that I used in uh, my column this week was that it's sort of like being in a car with a driver who's like really wants to tweet while driving. And you're like, wait a minute, we picked you to be the driver because you knew how to get where we wanted to go. Could you please just put the phone down and drive? Like that would be great. Uh, and so, if we get to the midterms and voters really would prefer, they'd rather we just be parked on the side of the road. Like, would they vote for Democrats to be the brake pedal on Trump, knowing that nothing will happen if Donald Trump is president and Democrats control Congress? Would they rather have that outcome than allowing Donald Trump to continue driving the car? Right. And the tweeting does not help. And so, you can imagine, right. like, you're somebody who's a Trump fan. Like, yay, I'm glad you're the driver, but it would be really great if you could just put the phone down for a second right. and, like, focus on the road. 
on healthcare or tax reform or what trade or not Mika Brzezinski. That would be awesome. There is a group of Trump voters that feel that way. And when in this morning consult poll, please indicate whether the following statements apply to Donald Trump. Uh, he is reckless. Fifty nine percent of voters yeah. say he is reckless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, higher than keeps his promises, where about half say, no, that does not describe him. And higher than who say that he is racist or sexist, too. So this is not just people that – I mean, it's it's slightly higher than the percent saying they think Donald Trump is sexist. It's much higher than the percentage of people saying they think right. Donald Trump is racist. Right. So, well, this week he's high on sexist and not as high on racist. Maybe another week it will be a little different. But meanwhile, there was – you know, people sort of desperate to find a counterpoint to all the, these numbers – could find one in a Drudge poll that showed of Drudge readers that, um, you know, three-fourths of respondents think Trump should continue to tweet as opposed to deleting his account. Over 500,000 – I'm sure it's more because it's by Monday afternoon, which is, you know, it's Thursday now. Um, so let's call it almost a million responded to it. That doesn't mean, despite statistician Bill Mitchell's <laughs> – Tweets. That doesn't mean it has a low. We don't get to make fun of Bill Mitchell. He got the election right, Parchy. <sighs> well, um, <laughs> you're right. I maybe maybe <laughs> maybe should host the Megan interview him as a guest a guest on the pollsters. But anyway, it's not a poll if it's just of your online readership. That's not. It's not a representative not a representative sample of, of anything. anything. It may not even be a representative sample of Drudge readers. In fact, we don't know if people were allowed to vote more than once. But anyway, um, it was. If you see that counterpoint flying around, it is the only thing that shows that people think that what Trump does on social media is good. And at least that large numbers feel that way. Um, and then, similarly, or on the same vein, there was a poll about whether or not Trump is politically correct and how does that compare to other outlets that are politically, you know, how politically correct are they? Are they too politically correct, not politically correct enough about right, about things like the media, colleges, television, Congress? And I have a lot of qu- – like, I mean, this is one of those things where it's good to measure this phrase because it's a phrase that people use, so we should – measure it, but we're not able to capture from this question, this is Morning Consul, um, what people think it means. We're just capturing how people think of it relative to these different institutions, but we don't really know what this means. And it's such a vague word that means different things to different people and has evolved over time. And I think we need to be very careful about looking at these results and say, huh, oh, well, you know, colleges are too politically correct. Therefore, we should do X. Like, it's just... It, it, it's not it's not capturing what the phrase means, which folks on the left like this was a phrase that was big in the 90s during the last sort of set of, you know, culture wars, quote unquote, culture wars we were having and increased awareness about how language affects different people in different communities. And I think that, you know, that's something that the folks on the left talk a lot. I know people on the right find it, you know, kind of ridiculous, but it's an important conversation of, you know, that these words and phrases are, you know, offensive and maybe you didn't know that. Let's talk about using them differently. That's different than, you know, banning speakers from coming to college campuses or the president insulting huge populations of our country. I mean, all all these things are, you know, I wouldn't put them all under the same phrase of just like politically correct, which has now taken on this kind of life of its own in a way that has lost its meaning. Well, yeah, I think there are a lot of folks that part of why Donald Trump was so appealing is that they were sort of tired of always feeling like they were 
potentially going to offend someone. Like, oh, if I if my neighbor brings their kid over and I say, oh, you have such a beautiful daughter, and they're like, well, my he's transition his gender is fluid. Like, how dare you say? You know, like I think there are people that there are lots of things that are changing very quickly in culture and. There's some folks that feel like, hey, I'm a good person. All of a sudden, I'm the bad guy for saying you have a wonderful daughter or – you. Know, and I think that, that that is the – wait a minute. Oh, so it's not PC for me to say things that I, I was very used to saying. And I think you see in this poll where you have 41 percent of people saying they think the mainstream media is too politically correct, 39 percent saying colleges and universities, too politically correct, TV, even Congress, 37 percent thinks Congress is too politically correct, entertainment industry, 36 percent. Um, very few think these in- institutions are not politically correct enough, except Donald Trump, that he right. has gone he's gone too far the other way. And now 41 percent, 45 percent, pardon, think that he is not politically correct enough. But it is I mean, it, it, I was I was laughing. I was in a, the car this weekend going up to my cousin's wedding and we had this great like mid 90s playlist on because that was like the era when we used to do these road trips up to Pennsylvania to go hang out with them. And Blues Traveler Hook came on and there's a line in it where he talks about like, it's so PC, it's killing me. And I was like, oh, the, yeah. the mid 90s really are back. Yeah, it was a big <laughs> it was a, it was a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal. But, you know, now it's seen as like, hey, I don't want to be politically correct means I'm interested. Means I can be a jerk. I want to be a jerk. I want to go out and insult you. Not like, hey, I'm confused about terminology. And it's like too much. It's too hard for me to keep up with everybody's different changing phrases, which is, or you people know, who feel like they can't pr- say Something that is true, that if you acknowledge something that is true, that, well, that's politically incorrect for you to have acknowledged. Yeah. That's, 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 those are the kind of conversations that are perfectly reasonable for folks to have. What is not okay is to use this phrase, like, I don't want to be politically correct as an excuse to just, like, insult people or knowingly and enthusiastically using phrases that communities say, hey, that is actually a real slur. Do you mind not using that? No, actually – I'm going to stick with it. Like that's that's I think a little that's where this goes a little bit haywire and this poll question doesn't really capture the nuance of all those debates. So anyway, I wouldn't want to get too far in that, but I wanted to note to give out a shout out to people trying to stay politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have the other big story this week is Trump at the G20 and uh, him interacting with the rest of the world. And we have some polling on, well, first of all, North Korea and second of all, on uh, sort of what, where Americans view America's place in the world. So first, let's let's tackle North Korea since that is uh, the terrifying latest uh, so USA Today, uh, toward the end of June, asked a question about the death of Otto Warmbier. He's the University of Virginia student who um, was taken into custody in North Korea, held on trumped-up charges uh, that he, you know that he was trying to undermine the regime. Um, while in custody, fell into a coma, suffered severe brain damage, and passed away when he was returned to the United States. Um, 49 percent in this USA Today poll think that the Trump administration should take action to punish North Korea. Uh, 35 percent do not. But of course, it's unclear what uh, those actions should be. So of those who are approving of punishing North Korea, respondents could choose what they thought should be done. 64 percent said tightening economic sanctions. 42 percent say prohibiting all U.S. North Korea travel. And only 17 percent chose military action. So people still not – even in the wake of this horrible tragedy where North Korea quite literally killed an American citizen, uh, 
there's still not a ton of appetite for military engagement. Um, so Trump will be over there trying to sort of pressure the pressure China, as he says in his tweets. We were joking before the show that there is a meme going around showing Rob Kardashian tweeting about the mother of his daughter, whose name is China, uh, tweeting about her and putting those tweets next to Donald Trump's tweets about China and where the similarities and differences are that they were both tweeting about China that day. Uh, but you've now got Trump also going to be talking to a whole bunch of other leaders, uh, talking about the need. His, he gave a speech today in Poland about the need to defend the West. Um, but Pew has been asking uh, this question, do Americans think that America is exceptional or that America is merely one of many exceptional nations or that there are other countries that are in fact better than the U.S.? Um, and polling on this question has actually shown a slight decline. Since 2011, in the proportion of Americans who think the U.S. stands above all other countries in the world. Uh, in 2011, it was 38 percent. In 2017, it's only 29 percent who feel that way. The majority believe U.S. is one of the greatest countries along with others. It's 56 percent. Um, and when you take a look at the partisan breakdown, uh, Republicans are overwhelmingly much more likely than Democrats to say they view the U.S. as standing above all other nations in the world. Democrats, 60 percent of them in this latest poll say the U.S. is one of the greatest countries. Um, huge divides, by the way. The bigger divide, when I looked at this, it does not appear to be by party or race. Um, there are big divides by party, not very big divides by race, huge divides by generation. Yeah. For younger voters, only 12 percent think that the U.S. stands above all other countries, while 59 percent think that we're one of many great countries, whereas for older Americans – um, fifty or forty-four percent say we stand above all other countries in the world. Unless you think that this is all that this the party breakout has to do with Trump and Trump's election. The party differences were basically the same in two thousand fifteen. Yeah. So this is not just about Trump. So when Obama was president, you had I mean there were a little bit of different, but not really very big. You had a quarter of Democrats saying the U.S. stands above. Sixty uh, percent of Democrats saying. Uh, U.S. is one of greatest countries as opposed to 19 percent and 60 percent among Democrats in 2017. So just a couple points difference among Democrats. So it's not like if you look at some other metrics of how is the, you know, the the direction of the country proud to be an American. I mean, there are a variety of other metrics where you see Democrats and Republicans flip dramatically after the election, you know, like where you think we're going as a country, et cetera. Here, this is very similar. So there is no real – there isn't a real difference here over time across party lines, which I think is interesting. Well, let's talk about another issue where there are some real interesting divides. This is the Pence rule. The Pence so, rule. So you may recall there was uh, an outcry um, a couple of was it a couple months ago. Time is passing at a very sort of bizarre rate for me. I, I don't know if it's been weeks or months. Uh, but there was a story about how Mike Pence – does not attend events with alcohol or sit down for meals alone with women without the presence of his wife. And there was a lot of uh, sort of backlash. Is this sexist? Does it mean that the women around him are unable to advance in their careers? Um, is this an outdated sort of rule? On the other hand, others coming to his defense saying, look, politicians cheat on their spouses all the time. If he's putting in his safeguard to prevent himself from you know, being in a situation where he could be tempted to do bad things, more power to him. So interesting polling on this question about the appropriateness of when is it appropriate or not appropriate to be alone with somebody who is not your spouse of the opposite sex. Um, having a work meeting 
overwhelmingly people think it's appropriate to have a work meeting with someone of the opposite sex. 66% of men think it's appropriate to have a meeting with a woman who is not their wife if it's a work meeting. 63% of women feel the same way. Driving in a car, for women it actually drops to below half, think that it is appropriate to ride alone in a car with a man who is not their husband. Um, well, 58% of men think that that is fine. Um, having lunch, uh, you have more men than women thinking that it is appropriate to have lunch with somebody of the opposite sex. Only 43% of women think that it is appropriate to have lunch with a man who is not their spouse. And then you wind up with majorities of women thinking that it is inappropriate to have dinner with a man who is not their spouse or have a drink with a man who is not their spouse. So there are a variety of things about this, right? So the first is the question asks about whether or not it's appropriate. So – and – like with some of these other questions, this does measure something. It measures, you know, appropriate. But what is? But is it asking whether or not like it's seen as appropriate? Like, do you think it's a, you know, it, the the norm is that this is appropriate or inappropriate? As opposed to like, would you do it? Would you feel comfortable? Like, what would you think if you saw someone doing it? Is there ever a reason to do it? Like something a little bit more about like the actual action as opposed to the cultural norm, which is what I think this I think this set of questions gets at the latter more than the former. So you may actually have much larger numbers here that would do it themselves or would feel fine about doing it themselves, but may say, well, it's not really quite appropriate in this kind of vague contest of having context of having a drink. No, that's not appropriate. So that's like one piece. And then you know, the other thing that it doesn't, you know, that I think we get confused when we talk about the Pence rule and in these questions too is like, what about when you have, you know, a social interaction is one thing, a work meeting over drinks or a work meeting over dinner, which is different than having having a work meeting, which is kind of just a, just as having a work meeting period. Um, those are all different. So like how would people feel about like a work meeting over dinner or work meeting over drinks? Yeah. That's not here. And I'm amazed if you look at it in that context that having a work meeting without like dinner or drinks, just a work meeting, you have, you know, a quarter to say that's inappropriate. Having like having a meeting. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually if you look at it that way, it's kind of a high number. Like so any meeting would be inappropriate if it's with someone of the opposite sex. Like I don't really think that that quarter is like, yeah, it's inappropriate to have a meeting with someone of the opposite sex. I mean, I think they might be. I I I I am not I don't dismiss these numbers. I mean, I think and and I say this as someone who last night had a drink with a friend of mine who I just recently got into this organization that he's a part of and said, "Hey, let's grab a drink. You can give me advice on like this right. new group." Um and that's totally appropriate. But I, I do think that it would be inappropriate if it was somebody that I didn't really know who I had like met at my cousin's wedding and who had, you know, there's no professional reason to been like, right. yeah, let's grab a drink sometime back in D.C. Like that's not I really appropriate. I would think that's appropriate. So I, I agree that there are big differences in context. And I also think that that example I gave you of like I just got into a professional organization and I need to meet with a friend of mine who is male, but he's in it and he can give me advice. That those sorts of things are fairly unique to like a very small subset of like urban professionals. Yes. But that is the norm for yes. us in our career. I right. don't think that that sort of thing 
comes up in most people's careers Agreed. with any I think sort that, of frequency. I think that's a good point. And it's, you know, it's just something that pe- people may not, may or may not be thinking about when they answer these questions. And you'd have to kind of prompt those, you know, you'd have to almost give people different scenarios. Like, here's a scenario. Is this appropriate or inappropriate? Yeah. Or would you do this? Or would you, you know? And 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 so, you know, that's, so that's one observation about these questions. The other here is that the men think it's more appropriate than the women. I mean, the reason... Which I actually think is good. I feel like there would be more outrage if the numbers were flipped. Yeah. That it would be more like, ah, oh, men want this handmaid's tale world and like where instead it's the women who are the ones that are more on guard here and are like, no, I don't think this would be right. Right. Because because there I mean, the thing that's the challenge here is when you have men who, you know, say, well, if women feel that it's inappropriate and so they take themselves out of these situations or men decide to put those obstacles up for them, like in the Pence rule, you know, women are the ones who suffer at both sides of it, right? So if they suffer because it's seen as inappropriate or or they feel unsafe, like the driving in a car example, which is probably where some of that comes from, um, or they remove themselves from opportunities, business opportunities, never mind having a drink with a stranger. Let's take it that. That's not, I'm not thinking about that as necessarily an opportunity per se, but um, <laughs> could be, but that's not, you know, sort of my objection to the Pence rule. But you remove yourself from uh, a business opportunity because of worries about appropriateness or you put yourself in an inappropriate situation, perceived or real. Either way, women get the short end of the stick. That's that's the part that like upsets me about this whole whole thing. So um, but anyway, as we think about these questions, this made a lot of rounds on the Internet, um, this poll. And this was in the upshot that this appeared. Um I don't think people should look at this and say, oh, my gosh, I had no idea, which is what I think some people did online. Like, wow, it turns out like half of America agrees with the Pence rule. I I would not necessarily say that based on these numbers because I think, you know, one, we should not conflate work situations with non-work situations because they're vastly different. I think it's completely fine to not want to have a drink with a, you know, dude that's not your husband. I don't think that's something we should all like wring our hands about nationally at all. But I do think uh, making it harder for women to participate in kind of social business activities is a problem. That I do feel strongly There's, There's a really interesting, by the way, in the New York Times coverage of this, in interviews, people described a cultural divide. Some said their social lives and careers depended on such solo meetings. Others described caution around people of the opposite sex. Some depicted the workplace as a fraught atmosphere in which they feared harassment or they feared being accused of harassment. Yeah. And so by by putting up these rules or saying this is inappropriate, it's like a putting in a guard against what they view as a toxic situation. Well, you know, you, all those things could be true at the same time. You could feel that your social life and your career depends on social on some of these meetings at the same time being wary that, you know, these things sometimes have, uh, you know, end badly or can be perceived as ending badly. Yeah, there's so one of the other big takeaways was, again, in the, the interviews when they asked people why they gave their answers, that some of these women who said that they were, were felt these things were inappropriate were worried that it gives the wrong impression to coworkers. Right. That it's not that they are worried that they're going to do anything it's the bad, norm. but they know – if I go get drinks with this person, everybody's going to be chit-chatting and I don't need to deal with that. And so you might close yourself off to a professional opportunity right. because of how it looks. Well, there was a poll in the National Journal, I think it was, a few years ago. We might have talked about it on the show where they talked to women Hill staffers. And you had some say, I work for somebody who won't um, – you know, won't be in a room alone with a woman, which makes it very hard for me to do my job because I can't, you know, I yeah. can't give advice if 
I, like there need to be there needs to be dudes in the room also. Like then it's just very difficult for me to do my job. So, um, so I don't know if there are a variety of members, but that's a real example of like, hey, I this is like now a block for me actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing yeah. my job. One thing that is on this topic somewhat related though, it's another data point that I saw this week. So the General Social Survey has been asking for decades about people's uh, views on all sorts of things and behaviors, including behaviors that are inappropriate. Like it's a tough survey to do because it pulls on things that people sometimes don't want to cop to. Um, And they actually found that uh, extramarital affairs have been on the decline or and are lower among younger people than they are among older people, Hmm. which is something that I kind of sometimes will mention offhand when I'm talking about young people and how like, hey, young people have this different moral code. Like they view it as hurting someone and so they're less likely to do it. Is it because they get married later maybe? I, I wonder if that could be a part of it, but it, and I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure how the general social survey defines extramarital affairs. But I've seen this circulating around as like, ah, oh, boomers, you're screwing everything up. Look, the millennials have to clean up after you. As like, this is another data point. Or maybe we that. have the we have wisdom, or not we. I'm not a <laughs> well, boomer, the, but yeah. The dividing line was fifty five and up, or fifty five and under. Yeah. So yeah. Um, okay, so. The 4th of July it happened. Did you do anything fun? I did all the things on here that are a thing. I did. I went to a party. I went to the fireworks. I went to the parade. I didn't travel because I traveled the week before. But um, I did all these things. So Tacoma Park has a fantastic parade. So everybody, you know, reporters, we know you listen. The Post and other outlets love to do the occasional like, Tacoma Park is crazy <laughs> story. <laughs> and Julia Eilprin, uh, who I've known for a very long time, when I was an intern, I sat next to her at Roll Call newspaper. Whoa. That's how long I've known her. Yes. So she did a story about Tacoma Park where she came to our Halloween parade, which was also pretty awesome. And so free tip next year, put it in your Evernote for next year. Somebody should do a story about the Tacoma Park 4th of July parade where – it's like, you know, have you seen – like that's like that Sylvester Stallone movie where he's like the cop and like the head cop in a town where all the cops live. That's what it's like being like a, the, all the political candidates come to the Tacoma Park <laughs> parade where like everyone's like, what's their position on you know, <laughs> on term limits or, you know, I don't know if I like that person or, you know, they, every time they wear that suit, like everyone that really knows a lot of detail about every candidate that comes through on the parade and it's like every wacky progressive club, lots of different groups of dogs, you know like politically themed floats like there was a Sean Spicer I guess it was supposed to be in the bushes but it looked like a cupcake and like a kid dressed as a reporter chasing him for comment that was like a float that was like a thing wow <laughs> and everyone's wow. like rowdy and cheering it's, and it's, it's pretty it's pretty wacky like a wonderfully wacky Tacoma Park thing it's just great I love it and it's like two blocks from my house and my son who's a runner he's two like constantly running into the crowd or down the street like just the whole darn time where I'm like <laughs> you have to stop like ran Rashern Baker who's running for governor coming through and um first he was like hi kid and then he was clearly like get this kid <laughs> out of the parade route <laughs> like anybody coming through with like a horse or like a giant ball in the shape of the earth for like whatever some the green party whatever it was like Beckett was like I'm ready for this is my float so it was super fun we went to we have our own fireworks show so we did that too so I highly recommend Tacoma Park. There's lots of ways to be patriotic and in Tacoma Park, you know, 
people explore are, as many of them. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do our own way of being patriotic. We had the flags, we had all that stuff, but we, you know, have our own wacky spit on it. So it was very, very excellent. NRF National Retail Federation, always our source of great holiday polling, found that two thirds of Americans said that they were celebrating with cookout or barbecue or picnic. Forty-four percent fireworks or community celebration. That's pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not for everybody those things because it's just like it's noisy. Like I hadn't been to one in a while. It is like oh, the District of Columbia crazy. is real fun on the Fourth of July. You get to play the game. Is it gunshots or fireworks? Yes, I remember that <laughs> when I lived in the city. And you're like oh, you feel like you're in like a war zone. Yeah. Like it is like the the streets are smoking. It is just nuts. Yep. Like it is completely nuts. So now that we live in the suburbs, it's not quite like that. But I this was the first time in a while where I went like to watch the fireworks like on the grass and. It is a very noisy thing. Um, and then people were planning to spend 73 bucks a person on their picnics. That's good. That seems like – I mean that's beer and watermelon and stuff. Per person? Well, you have the hosts. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, okay. You're bunting. $73 a person. And I guess you have to, if you count Some a lot. Some people buy a grill. I don't know. In this. Yeah, if you count, like I went out. Okay. Okay. And then they asked, do you plan to purchase patriotic merchandise within the next 30 days? <laughs> nice. Most, a quarter, just over, there was pretty much people were divided between yes, no, and I don't know. Two thirds already own a U.S. flag, over half owned. Patriotic apparel like T-shirts, bathing suits, or shoes. Yeah, I'm not so into the patriotic apparel. Although I did have, I so- feel weird about it. Some like I, I, maybe I'm too much of a flag purist, but I feel like a flag bikini or something. I'm like, is this what our founding? Fa- I mean, I think yeah. it is what our founding fathers fought for in a way. But yeah, I remember when uh, I was in Texas and we'd go is that tubing. The best way to show our love for America. Yeah, so. we'd go tubing and there'd be like girls with like a Texas flag bikini, you know, tubing. And I was like. I don't know. This is weird. So, um, but you know, people, everybody. I mean, I guess I don't like any holiday themed clothes. I don't like Christmas sweaters. Like it's just not. Oh, you don't like Christmas sweaters. I just like sparkly stuff for New Year's. That's it. That's the only. That's the only like holiday themed outfit. A good Christmas sweater. Yeah, it's just. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I mean, I can. I. I kind of get it. I'm trying to. You know, I appreciate it in others. It's just not part of my own wardrobe. Anyway, so – but people need more. Quarter, where we're going to buy more patriotic material. We had some pinwheels and flags that the kids were very excited about. So, you know, that all counts. All that I stuff like counts. sparklers. Sparklers There's just enough danger at the end of the sparkler where you're like, ooh, is this going to burn my hand or not? And I don't know why. It just makes them more fun. <laughs> I know, right? It's funny. Um, it's, a funny <laughs> it's a funny thing that makes America great. Just yep. We want to just blow stuff up and live on the edge. Um, okay. So, key findings. Hope your 4th of July was free of crazy tweets and partisan bickering. Probably wasn't, but hope hopefully it was. Hug a reporter today, friends. The polls suggest they need it. And if you're wondering if your opposite sex hangout is appropriate or not, may we suggest bringing up the pollsters. This podcast is totally appropriate. Yes. Oh, wait. Make sure you listen to us on Friday. Oh, that's right. We're doing a thing. We're doing a thing. <laughs> Our friends at Left, Right, and Center, Josh Barrow, uh, KCRW, 
a public radio station out of L.A. They're going from a half-an-hour show to a one-hour show. We are going to be on their first one-hour show Friday, so we're recording Thursday, so that's tomorrow. Um, but it's a podcast, so you can download it anytime. And we will be on that show more often as a duo, as part of the, like, bipartisan – we can all be friends. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm I'm super pumped for this. Yeah. Although I feel, I feel pressure now because if it's left, right, center, and as you mentioned – they get made. Who made? Who said it was left? Left. The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Left. <laughs> you can. You'll be the right and the center. I'll, do I have to be? I. I am. I'm center right. That's how I identify Margie. Yeah. I'm center right. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Case Holtis Anderson. You can find us on Facebook where we post links throughout the week to the stories that we think are interesting. We're also at www.thepolsters.com where you can find the list of links for all of the great polling resources we think are out there. Make sure you subscribe to our show, tell your friends, leave a review. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. A Westwood One podcast production.